rap is storytelling. Rap is literature. It's poetry. It's personification. It's it's uh, exaggeration. It's exaggeration. It's ghostwriting. You criminalize the language of rappers, you're taking their voice away. The message. Spotlighting the most important voices of today with Ebro. An open dialogue about their experiences in these times and the music that inspires them. Welcome to The Message, the podcast where we talk about music, we talk about social issues, and we talk about purpose. I'm your host, Ebro Darden, and my guests today are Kevin Lyles and U.S. Representative Jamal Bowman. You may know Kevin Lyles as a record executive and CEO of 300 Entertainment, but he's here today as an activist to talk about the Arts Act, a piece of federal legislation that would prevent just rap lyrics being the sole evidence to be used against artists in court. He's partnered with Jamal Bowman, the congressional representative for New York's 16th District, to get this bill passed in the wake of the YSL arrest of Young Thug Gunner and many of their associates. We sat down and talked about the legislation, the criminalization of blackness, and the movement to protect black art. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another episode of The Message. I'm your host, Ebro Darden, and this, this time, this episode, I'm visited by Kevin Lyles, uh, record executive, CEO, 300 Entertainment, but a history of um, work within the music business, uh, going all the way back to Def Jam Records. And even before that, well, we'll save that for you. Yeah, say that. You hate when I bring that up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, because, uh, you know, I did that. That's done. You don't want to talk about the Millie Vanilli records you brought? Nah, nah, that, that is- <laughs> I think you might still get publishing on that. Oh, I still do. Definitely still get paid on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> And Representative Jamal Bowman, uh, representing uh, New York City's 16th District at the federal level, a United States representative uh, covering the north part of the Bronx and Westchester and Yonkers. Correct, yes. Correct. I got you brothers here today because you guys are working on some legislation uh, directly in line with um, what we've been uh, hearing and seeing uh, in the YSL case in Georgia, and even here in New York City, New York State, where you've had uh, rappers who have um, been convicted of things, uh, and the music that they've recorded has been used as a centerpiece to hold them without bail, or even try to use that as the primary piece of evidence. And I wanted to get into that conversation today. Uh, You gentlemen also gave us some music, both uh, gave us, I think, about 10 or 15 songs each for us to weave into this conversation because we like to provide the audience with a playlist to give context, Um, not only because we can, because we're on Apple Music, but also I think it's important for a conversation too because so much of the last several decades, um, uh, as we have told our stories from Black neighborhoods, Black experiences all over the world, has been woven into the music even before mainstream media was paying attention and wanting to listen. Right now, uh, you know, the most recent police brutal murder of an innocent individual was the Tyree Nichols uh, story that we've been watching play out on television uh, and in the media. Uh, and Ice Cube and Fuck the Police back in 1988 uh, said black police showing out for the white cops. Um, speaking specifically to the system of white supremacy uh, that is, uh, you know, plagued this nation, but specifically to black and black and brown police officers who think they can change the culture of policing, the culture of justice, just by being a part of it. When the root, often of you know, when we speak about policing in America, is based on dehumanizing black people and poor people 
And now those stories that these young black and brown people are telling from their neighborhoods are also being looked at as crimes. I want to start with you, Representative Jamal Bowman, about your message today on The Message. Yeah, so the central message, the core message that has been a part of my life, uh, throughout my life, and the seed was really planted in me through hip-hop music and culture, is the message that systemic racism is interwoven in every aspect of American society. And it's on us, the people, not just black people, not just the hip hop community, but all people who care about justice and equality and freedom and opportunity for everyone. It's on us to push back against that system. White supremacy is not just a belief that someone is better than you because they are white. It's also the belief that you may be inferior because you are not white. And not just in how you look, not just your lips, your nose, your hair, but also how you think and how you speak and how you act and how you behave and what you believe is important and what you believe is not important or inferior. So it's that way of thinking that it's not just, it's not just a blanket term, white, white supremacy. We're not just talking about the KKK or nowadays MAGA Republicans. We're talking about a way of life and a way of thinking and being that, that we have to defeat. And, it, and it's, a, it's another form of colonialism. Colonialism is not just taking the land of Africans or South Americans or taking land in India. It's about taking the land, putting in an education system that teaches you how to think a certain way that is self-destructive over the course of your lifetime. So the message today is we have to educate ourselves on what that is and how it manifests and then come together and coalition to defeat that system. And Kevin Lyles, um, you working with artists, specifically in hip-hop, your entire career. Your message today. Uh, my message is that we've been talking Negro spirituals since we were slaves. And back then, they were seen as oh, songs that were uh, against what the system wanted. You know, you think about Duke Ellington, Billie Holiday, everybody that was targeted, you know, back then just because they spoke from a black point of view. And so to me, this is not a, a, a hip-hop thing. This is a us thing. This is a black and brown people thing. You can go through all the studies, but, you know, in, in a particular case now, I think we're, we're looked at as we're not educated enough. We're not connected enough. We don't understand legislation enough to really make a difference. But when we put the bat signal up and said, lyrics should not be used as confessions, you had every major corporation, congressman, Harvard, Howard, Yale, you had Warner, Sony. It's the first time everybody, Coldplay, Drake, Future, Meg, everybody came together and said, we have to protect black art. And that coalition building has led to us passing a law. Uh, and Governor Newsom said, you know what? California, we're in. Has us on a table right now in Missouri. And Missouri is important because it's a bipartisan bill. You know, it's Republicans and Democrats. You know, the Rap Act we're trying to do down federally in, in Atlanta. You got New York that we got to reintroduce it. And I think my message is this um, freedom fight, this freedom of speech fight that we're fighting that I think our culture has been targeted uh, through the whole time. It's not going to just happen by us marching. It's not going to just happen by us making one phone call. We have to make passing legislation a way of life with this. So to me, that's why I'm with my man. Well, 
uh, Congressman Jamal. <laughs> you can say it, my man. We, you know, I, 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 and, and while we're here today, because um, I think everybody has something to do, and everybody yeah. Yeah. loves a song, loves an artist, and music has changed the world over and over again. And remember, they didn't give us hip hop. That's right. We they, made they, it. They, they didn't That's give right. us hip hop. And then when right. you make something without it, and they still want to try to control it, and they still can't control it. You know, we, right. don't, we don't need all the equity and capital to build. No, you're a micro business. I'm going to fund you. Oh, now you're a millionaire. Now you're changing your neighborhood. Now you're doing, mm -hmm. oh, no, we got to take you out. Oh, you, you, you sent, sent to us like Malcolm. Oh, we got to take you out. Now, could you send to like, like like Martin? Oh, we got to take you out because you're the guy that loves the guys and uh, you're the President Kennedy. You know, you, you, this thing, this is uh, oppression, uh, uh, the new red line, right. whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's just oppression what it 4. is, 0. Well, 4. the 0. criminalization of, 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 of art and the criminalization of black art specifically is woven into the society from its origin, right? Where you wanted to, as you pointed out, you wanted to control uh, the way black folks gathered, their spirituality, their, their joy, their uh, traditions. It's all been controlled by this entity that enslaved Africans, which is the United States of America, mm -hmm. uh, and the one that we're currently talking through this specific lens in the U.S. And I think, um, I think that's the triggering aspect of this convo, because I think many people listening to rap lyrics that might be popular today may say, well, I may not like the content, or I may not like the way these young people dress or express themselves, whatever the expression may be. And so I think we live in a society that's quick to throw young people away, right? Quick to just be like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I don't like it. Get rid of it. Mm -hmm. But that's the slippery slope I think you guys are, are speaking to is because often generationally that happened, right? Whether it was... Uh, when you're talking about uh, rock and roll and that was criminalized, if you were talking about blues mm -hmm. and that being criminalized, jazz, that being criminalized. And then when you get into the 80s and you get into even the crack era, uh, where you're dealing with a real mental health issue of people wanting to do a drug like that, but those individuals were just thrown away, mostly because we know they were black mm -hmm. and they were poor. But now, fast forward, and it's a different crisis. It's the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. And the complexion of that is different. Now it's a mental health issue, right? And so when you're talking about rap lyrics and not liking what someone is saying or the perspective that they're given, the first thing we don't do as a society is listen and go, oh, we need to change what these young people are being exposed to. We need to change what the, the value system that these young people have. We need to change their uh, uh, experience because then that'll change the content. The first thing we always do to young people is want to throw them away. It's institutional racism. It, it, that, that, like, at the end of the day, we can't, you know, there's going to be some of us who uh, decide to play nice in the house. Mm -hmm. But nice in the house might move us one step, but it really moves us back 10 steps because that means we're being controlled. You know, and the, what I like that I'm seeing right now is that, you know, I'm totally against, I'm totally with freedom of speech. I'm not with hate speech against any people because we live that every day. I walk out and I feel like, mm -hmm. why are they talking, looking at me like this? And I, I got more mm -hmm. money than them too. You know what I'm saying? That's but, right. And I built more businesses than them, but they look at me differently. And I, and I think that when you talk about institutional racism, 
we, we were stripped of our religion. We were stripped of our families. We were stripped of our culture. And I mean, so now what's happening, you can't strip hip hop because now hip hop has you know, infiltrated your homes. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is now the number one consumed music in, in the world. So you're not going to run for it. So if I'm a father of a young teen coming up, I, I probably grew up on it. But even if I didn't, even if I wasn't impoverished or anything, it's still influencing my life. Mm-hmm. And so to me, what you're feeling, this mental health issue now, it's to the point where families are having these conversations. I get calls from dads and moms every day. Well, why, why would y'all put out a record like that? I said, don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're letting you know what it is that's happening every day. You're just not there. Because mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know what I mean? I, I applaud, you know, the NWAs, the public enemies. I applaud, I said this about a little baby. I said, yo, he wouldn't have been able to write the bigger picture if he didn't go through what he wanted. And that through. changed people's lives. It got people looking at things differently. And mm-hmm. so I think we have a responsibility to the music. I think we do need to pull our pants up a little more. I think we do need to act like fathers and, <laughs> and, and, and leaders in the community and pay attention. But those are separate issues, right? It's, like, it's, 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 see, you say it's separate. My, my, my issue is it's all the same because... Well, no, meaning, meaning the way... The reason I say it's separate issues, the way society wants to frame people sharing a story based on their experience or their expression is a separate conversation from a community gathering around itself and holding itself accountable for its actions. I, I, the reason I say that my reason is this. I lived for the last 40 years. It's all I've done. And so at the end of the day, when I'm a father, I'm still Kevin Lyles. When I'm an executive, I'm still Kevin Lyles. When I'm a community and I'm putting the community together, I'm still Kevin Lyles. When I'm fighting the court system against injustice, I'm still Kevin Lyles. So to me, we got to deal with all the issues, but it's timing and everything. Right now, we're trying to protect black art in this, but I believe socially, if we decide to take a little bit more, Jay said, you know what? I'm a school teacher, middle school, uh, what were you, principal? Yeah, teacher and principal. Teacher principal. Yeah. Who said, I, I want to make a difference. He grew up on hip hop, though. So now my conversation with him, my, but where do we hang out? What, what's, what are we going to do next? Is different because it's socially different because he's different. So I think it's, all one big thing. And I think that we as leaders and as people out there need to get together, not just by ourselves, but understand what the issues are. Because a lot of people, they don't even know what I'm talking about protecting black art. They just think, oh, it's just so why, why is something? No, this is legislation that will change lives because they're not putting Stephen King on trial right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on that, I want to transition, get to some music. Like I said, uh, this is the message. Kevin Lyles, Representative Jamal Bowman, you guys provided us with, uh, I think we have about 28 records here. But one of the records that jumped out to me immediately on that point of what's not being criminalized was the Johnny Cash record, Folsom Prison Blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you pick that record? I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Mm-hmm. Where, where's, where, did he go to jail? Johnny Cash was locked up like six times, never spent the night in jail. Young Thug says, Jeffrey says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm gonna blow up like Russia, and so now, and he's King Slime, and now he's a gang leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and so to me, you have all these kind of records that that uh, come. I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these songs that come, and people actually don't believe they don't believe that you shot the sheriff and didn't shoot the deputy. But if I said it, there was a test. They took a, a I think the Kingston Trios, a three folk white singers, and they said took the lyrics. They said. The country lyrics didn't get the same lyrics and said the rap lyrics. The pe- same lyrics, they said the rap lyrics are more violent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 500 cases right now of black and brown people uh, around lyrics 
only four cases since the 1950s against non-black and brown people around lyrics. Three of, them, three of them were thrown out, one got overturned. The numbers don't lie. So to me, it's just a, it's another racist act uh, with the judicial system. And you know, they're trying to do the racial bias thing where we want the jury to be scared of them. We want the, mm-hmm. the judge to be afraid of them. Oh, you got to be afraid for your life because they're rapping about robbing. I just think it's um, uh, systemic racism. Yeah, let me just jump in. I know you're going to ask me about, you know, my playlist, but, you know, the point that was being made earlier, we're talking about the criminalization of black art and the criminalization of blackness, period. Mm -hmm. And the criminalization of being black and having black or brown skin in America. That's from time immemorial. Since we came to these shores, blackness has been criminalized. Uh, and there were slave patrols and other ways to criminalize it um, back then. And that's what we're seeing now with uh, the attack on rap artists specifically. Because the only difference between uh, country music and hip-hop is hip-hop is mostly black and brown. Country music lyrics are more gangster than fucking whoever. Some of the rap lyrics I listen to. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a country song recently. This chick was was singing about if you commit a murder, just call me, let me know. I'm going to come to your crib, clean up the, help you clean up, <laughs> help you hide the body, and, ma- and I'll never snitch. This was a country song by some white chick from somewhere. Mm. I sent it to Prophet. I was like, yo, Prophet, you heard this song? They, are they running up in her house trying to criminalize her? But to Kevin's point, we're talking about over 500 cases in the last decade targeting hip-hop lyrics specifically and when you take the other genres of music combined, it's only happened four times, all ultimately were thrown out. Tommy Kennedy is an individual in Wisconsin who was tried only because of his lyrics at 17. He's now doing life in prison in Wisconsin only because of his lyrics. No uh, forensic evidence, no witness testimony, no gun, no weapons, lyrics alone. And that's why the federal legislation is so important because hopefully the feds will have the courage to set the pace and the tone for the rest of the country. And that's why also we need to have it state by state as well. And it's good to see California taking the lead there. I think to capture what we were saying previously, I think to make it very simple for people who might not get it, being black and the framing of blackness in America was always based around dehumanizing, and creating a narrative of violence. The angry black man, the bitter black woman, right? Uh, Rap lyrics. Even if, I know somebody who was recently running for office, and he had, he's older now. Um, Actually, he's lieutenant governor of New York State. Mm -hmm. Antonio Delgado. Yep. When he ran for his office before he was lieutenant governor, he was in the uh, the it was what county? I think it was Hudson County. Yeah, Hudson he, Valley. He was in the yeah in the nineteenth district, congressional district. Nineteenth yes. con- congressional district. He put out a rap album when he was at Harvard. Was he at Yale Probably, or Harvard? Harvard? Harvard. Harvard. He put out a rap album. They framed him because <laughs> being a rapper is such a yeah. crime. Damn. They framed him as a rapper mm-hmm. when he was running for office because they know socially. They have done the work, the marketing work, to make being anything like a rapper a crime. Mm-hmm. Often in a newspaper, you know, and I used to get offended by this, uh, you know, somebody throws out a, a tape, you know, uh, puts a tape up on the internet, 
or handed out some free mixtape at some point in their life, recorded something. And something happens with this individual, automatically, they're not just an individual anymore. No, 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 no. They're a rapper <laughs> now. <laughs> to help the framing of mm -hmm. this person deserves whatever's coming to them, mm -hmm. even if they didn't haven't been convicted of a crime yet. So this has been, even before this moment that we're discussing right now, this has been always a part of the framing of hip-hop, rap, et cetera, et cetera. Same thing happened with rock and roll back in the day. Same thing happened with jazz. They're drug addicts. They're this, they're that. Because that framing helps the, the tool of society, which is generally police, law enforcement of some sort, attack a specific community, usually the black community, for just creating mm -hmm. art. You know, it's so funny. Sorry to interrupt you, bro. I said to this, when Jeffrey Dahmer was eating people, did they say what kind of music he listened to? When the riders rided on the, uh, what, what, what? January 6th. January 6th. The insurrection. The insurrection. Did we ask what music they listened to? But no, <laughs> you want to talk to me about lyrics. But you right. don't ask no, 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 if, 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 if you're white, they don't care about the music. But if you're black, it's the music because it's the stereotype they want to give us. And it's not just, it's not, the, the, all the DAs are doing is saying, hey, we want to shape this in a way that you should be afraid for your life. But in Atlanta right now, in this particular place, crime is up, rape mm -hmm. is up, murder is up. You know, what, what? So really, maybe you got the wrong people locked up. And so I just want to say, this is not, this is so much more yeah. than just about lyrics, man. Usually, and if you, and I, somebody can, who's listening or watching this can go back and line this up. Usually politicians and society at large likes to point their failures and scapegoat their failures on the most vulnerable population mm -hmm. every single time. And usually those failures are tied to joblessness, it's poverty. tied to legislation. It's tied to legislation. That's right. So we have to talk about the, the communities in which these rappers come from. Right. And how those communities came to be what they are. That's right. This, this goes directly But see, nobody back. wants to do that. <laughs> no, 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 That's work. Now you asking us to work. Yeah. You asking us to care about but people that we even, ain't cared about before. But it's not even that much work now because you got the internet and you got social media. And yes, there's a lot of misinformation on there. But if you want, you know, people watching this interview, just do a little research on redlining and what that is. Do a little research on the GI Bill and, and what that allowed for building the white middle-class America and white wealth and what it did to the projects and black and brown communities. Look at how guns are trafficked in this country. Look at how crack cocaine has been trafficked. Or the war on drugs. Or, or the war on drugs, which came right at right the same time. Look at how the federal government began to disinvest in public housing 30 years ago and hasn't invested a dime in 10 years. And just now in Congress, just last Congress, when Democrats had control of all three branches, we tried to pass a piece of legislation that invested $500 billion in housing across this country. And you know who stopped this piece of legislation from not becoming law? It wasn't a Republican. It was a Democrat. Joe Manchin. And so that bill becomes law because everybody like us fought for it. We got $500 billion now invested in public housing across the country. So now we can finally fix 
was broken in the projects or what we're pushing for, which is building new, what we call social housing to make sure everybody can live with, with dignity and respect. So this is all, we can't talk about this in a vacuum. So when I'm hearing rappers talk about violence, I know the manifestation of that violence. Mm -hmm. I, know the man, I know the impact of complex historical trauma on black and brown people that have been forgotten and neglected. I know it personally because I had a sister who was an addict during the crack cocaine era who dated drug dealers who were five percenters who were my father figures and role models. So I know it personally. That's why it's so important going to the playlist. I know we're going to get to it for us to recognize rap is not just, it's not just a, a, a it's not just music. It's not just an art form. It's, it's a mirror to America. This is who we are. This is what you are. And this is what you did to make us who we are. Mm -hmm. And now are you going to respond to that? Or are you going to continue to criminalize us? And this is what's happening now. They criminalize us. One last point. You mentioned Antonio Delgado, Congressional District 19. The thing that scares the power structure is he won that congressional seat regardless Godless. of them criminalizing him as a rapper. Right. In a mostly white district. That's right. So now you got rapper Antonio Delgado in Congress. Now you got rap, rap, rap lover who quotes Biggie every chance he get, Hakeem Jeffries, <laughs> who about to be the next leader of the Democratic Party, Party first yeah. ever. That's right. Now you got Jamal Bowman beating Elliot Engel, who's there 30 years, who's going to, mm -hmm. you know, house parties spitting... Mob deep. That's where we are right. now. So you got to criminalize it because if you don't, the power structure is going to come tumbling down. That's right. I have a question to ask you. How much did the Afghan war cost? Shit. Trillions, man. That's not even... That's only one war. I know, but that's that, what, what I'm trying to see about, <laughs> about our country, we'll spend trillions on a little place, but we ask for 500... You know, just we got money for wars, but can't feed, feed the, the poor. poor. That, this you you ain't again, that on mine. This, I don't think that's on mine. Yes, on mine. Changes, on pop. changes. Two, yeah. two pop. This is all, all I'm trying to tell you guys. If you yeah, don't man. see the problem is we don't want to read the writing on the wall. We we too hit. We if you don't change the conversation, you're not going to change the community. And that's yeah. my issue right now. We have to have real conversations. Mm -hmm. And right now we're we're living still under oppression and systemic racism in America. The first thing you said in your first answer. You said everybody could do something. Mm -hmm. I know you got questions to ask, so I'm going to let you ask them. But that piece, we got to talk about this because people feel overwhelmed by it all. It's a lot. Like what we're talking about right now is a lot. But everybody could do something. Like you make one, pick up the phone, call your member of Congress. You could Google their phone number. Pick up the phone, call your member of Congress, and just tell them you're concerned about the issue. If I told you some of the calls I get to my office, you'd be like, yo, what's wrong with people? But they know they have the power to call. Mm -hmm. We need for our community, our culture to know you got the power to call your member of Congress. And guess what? When you call every day for a week, <laughs> they're <up>. documenting that. <laughs> they're mm -hmm. documenting what you're calling about. And they're like, Congressman Bowman, listen, somebody, this person called all five days about, you know, rodent infestation in their housing, lack of health care, whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. Call your member of Congress. Don't just, we think mayor, governor, president. We only think about the executive. Mm -hmm. And they get all the credit and all the blame. And that's, that's true. Fine, they should. 
But members of Congress have a lot of power. influence and a lot of power. Yeah, most people, uh, they weren't paying attention in civics class. <laughs> so they had the structure <laughs> thing. Were taught, a, if they were taught that in civics. But, and we could get into our education system and why it has failed. Uh, and most people don't know the structure. So, But just a, a, just a separate, separate. But also, I think important here, uh, because this will take the protection of these voices, the protection of this expression, the protection of expression in general through an artistic lens will take involvement of the voter as these things become policy. So the most important. Yeah. So if you don't understand how this will impact you or a loved one in a real way, you're about to find out if you don't participate, right? Because 100%. we live in a, in a system that has uh, jailed individuals as you guys pointed out, the young man in Wisconsin, but even outside of that, people with no evidence to support them doing 35 plus bids and then later on finding out that their whole life was thrown away and there was no evidence to support them being incarcerated. You're listening to The Message. As you've heard us mention, Kevin Lyles and Representative Bowman put together a playlist featuring tracks from Public Enemy, Metro Bowman, Nas, Wu-Tang Clan, DMX, and many more which you can listen to right now on Apple Music. Just search The Message, and you'll find their playlist, as well as selections from the previous message guests like Styles P and Jesus R. and John Baptiste. Now let's get back to the conversation and dig deeper into the Arts Act and what it means for hip-hop artists in America. Um, the Message here on Apple Music, uh, we like to dig into... Really what's going on in the community was really the conversation. Um, but I think people don't quite understand what this policy is about. Uh, no matter what it's called, whether it's the California version or what you're doing in Georgia or what's happening here in New York State and what you're fighting for, Representative Bowman, explain what this legislation actually is. Because it isn't just a blanket, Correct. you know, uh, protect criminals from being incarcerated, which people will want. try to frame what you want to do what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's ain't what this is. Yes. So this legislation seeks to ensure that rap lyrics alone and in and of themselves are not used to arrest, indict, and convict individuals. If there are other pieces of evidence, forensic evidence, witness testimony, uh, video, smoking gun video. Uh, that's a part of of you know evidence that's being used to convict. And there are rap lyrics to support those other pieces of evidence. Then the lyrics could be admissible. But as I mentioned with Tommy Kennedy and so many others, there are cases, hundreds of cases across the country where prosecutors are only using lyrics and nothing else. And this piece, is, this piece of legislation is saying you cannot do that. You cannot only use lyrics. You have to have other evidence. So this is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for all rappers, which some people may think it is. If you commit a crime and you're stupid enough to rap about it, then you will you be held accountable. Right. <laughs> you, you brought, that, you brought right. that onto yourself. This piece of legislation is to ensure that artists still have the freedom of expression and the freedom to tell their stories. Right. And, and it, it, it encompasses all the layers of what rapping and hip-hop is. You know, when you mentioned Stephen King, he's a, he's a fictional storyteller. Rap is storytelling. Rap is uh, literature. 
It's poetry. It's personification. It's it's uh, exaggeration. It's exaggeration. It's ghost writing. It's 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 a it's an action movie. It's a drama. It's a love. Story. It's 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 language. So when we can't, we're not criminalizing language, especially as we as rap has been the singular thing that has helped an entire nation to find its voice. You criminalize the language of rappers, you're taking their voice away. And this legislation seeks to prevent that. When you bring up Wisconsin, for people who don't understand how the federal government and state governments work, if this legislation was passed at, let's say, the federal level, hypothetically speaking, it hasn't been yet, but let's say it was, or it's just passed in California, because you see it on social media all day. Something happens in a specific state or a specific city. Many people don't understand that that application isn't necessarily That's universal. Right. right? So for you, Representative Jamal Bowman, let's say this happened at the federal level where some legislation was passed to protect, uh, and I think the, the most recent, the Arts Act. Mm-hmm. is what it's called at the federal Most level, right? iteration, yeah. It's an iteration previously yes. called RAP Act, but this is the Arts Act. Um, where this has protections in it and it sets a precedent. Yes, correct. But that does not mean a state can't still go after someone, That's right. correct? This is not a constitutional amendment. Okay. It's a f- piece of federal legislation. So this protects you in a federal case from being targeted and charged with a federal crime based on your rap lyrics alone, federally. Right. But to your point, states have their own constitutions. They have their own state legislatures, their own uh, elected officials, their own laws. So this does not protect you in Wisconsin or in other states. Mm -hmm. The point you make about precedent is really important, right? Because usually that's what happens. One state takes the lead, like California has done. And then other states that are, you know, California is a democratic state, pretty much known as a progressive liberal state. Other democratic, more progressive liberal states will hopefully follow suit. Where the challenge comes is in certain red states or or purple states, if you will. You know, a state like Florida with DeSantis, they're not going to look at something like this at the moment. Right. But, but the point is that can change. And, and, and what's exciting for me, and, and Kevin and I always talk about this, Rap, as a culture, has a footprint in every corner of American society. So there are rappers in South Carolina, or whether they're rappers or executives or uh, others, who can organize in South Carolina to help fight for legislation in that state to prevent rap lyrics from being used to indict someone just on the lyrics. So... Rap as a culture has political power that has yet to be exercised at the level that we often talk about. Mm-hmm. Yet to be. It's right. about to be. Right. But again, we need everybody to get involved to make that happen. And as we've learned in the most re I mean, we've been learning as the black community and as black voters for a long time, but more recently, there's a new generation of voters that had to see how important. The black vote was when Philadelphia, Detroit, South Carolina, uh, Milwaukee, you know, delivered this most recent election on a presidential level for Joe Biden or, you know, what happened down in Alabama when, you know, black women came out in droves to vote 
and make sure that, you know, um, uh, this racist, racist pedophile didn't get a job mm-hmm. down in Alabama. Um, or what just recent hap- recently happened with Raphael Warnock yeah. in, in Georgia, right? So there is power there. Um, yes. The... I think the the change that most people are looking for, you know, people are waiting for what seems to be some sort of like flip of a switch where all of a sudden America is not dealing with, the United States of America is not dealing with some of the problems of the past. But I don't, you know, we're not historians here, but based on history, these things, these cultural shifts don't just happen. No. In a, a like a lickety split situation. It happens as generations, as you pointed out, yeah. get in power, people from specific generations become the next executives, the next politicians, the next leadership. And yeah. so I think we're but in that all, swing now. Yeah, and, and it's it's always movements, though. We get a good place. Oh, you know, you guys, we should move to the county. So we move out into, to the county. Oh, resentification. <laughs> now now the, we're the, taking, the, go, cities go, back. taking the city back. It's, it, every time we get the ball here, you know, they, they move the, the line. And see, the thing about it now is we're now on a 20-yard line. <laughs> we came all the way. We're on a 20-yard. So we're in the red zone. Right. And that's why you're feeling the heat. Right. Everybody's feeling the heat. And in the red zone, we have politicians. We have leadership. We have money. Well, and be, instead of we're speaking in uh, 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 non-specific, let's be specific. When you yeah. say the 20-yard line, you're speaking specifically of the power base of black individuals and in economically and Socially, Socially. Mm-hmm. Yes. at a place where a real power move can take place, which is why there is this blowback, if you will, or a resurgence even of aggressive, overt racism and racist behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, and when I was um, mentioning movements, I'm talking about throughout American history, it's always been movements that have led to the transformational change. So, you know, abolitionists, right? Women's suffrage, LGBTQ, civil rights movement. These are all movements that led to the change. The movement pushed the elected officials to do what they needed to do. I believe we're in a place like that now. You could call it the Black Lives Matter movement, call you call it what you want. Because it, it's it's a it's a rainbow coalition, shout out to Jesse Jackson, that's coming together, pushing back against systemic racism and discrimination. And so I agree. We're at the twenty-yard line, in, in in fighting for that, but it's going to take a lot to get in the end zone. I mean, because look at the Supreme Court, right? The Supreme Court is a right-wing conservative Supreme Court. They got there because the former president Donald Trump was able to appoint three of them, I believe. And there was a movement since Richard Nixon to make sure that to there make was, sure it was positioning and ready to go for this moment. Happening right on the heels of the civil rights movement. Oh, right. these people got their civil it's rights. Right. We're going to take our power back through the Supreme Court and through economic right. oppression and what I call plantation capitalism. But so the Supreme Court is what it is now. Trump appointed three. Obama tried to appoint one. McConnell didn't let him. And McConnell had the power as the Senate Majority Leader to stop him from doing that. So now we have a, a, a majority in, in, in the Supreme Court. What did they do? First thing, overturn Roe v. Wade. Boom. What did they do? New York State. Uh, your, your, uh, your concealed carry laws are too uh, oppressive and, and violate and the Second yeah. Amendment. Too restrictive and violate the Second Amendment. You know, y'all need to loosen those up. 
oh, we got the Supreme Court reaching the New York State now? What are they about to do in June? They might end affirmative action. Yeah. So, everybody listening, voting don't matter. Your ass staying home and not voting is leading to this shit getting worse. Yeah. And people going to really, you know, I know a lot of people that don't even understand how affirmative action has helped them as an individual. Black folks, they don't even get it. They don't even know. And wait until they don't have to hire your black ass. <laughs> wait until I mean, they don't have to let your ass into college. And this is what's happening, right? So, so you know, we vote for president. Wrong president getting there. We got the wrong... They're going to choose the Supreme Court justice. It's a wrap. And right now, one of the things we're fighting for in connection to all of this is democracy reform. We need to get rid of the filibuster the in filibuster. the Senate. Yeah. Because right now you need a supermajority in the Senate to pass any legislation. So you need 60 of the 100. You're never going to get to 60 of the 100 because those 60 represent the Jim Crow South states. That's right. Pretty much, right? So ending the filibuster means you need a simple majority and now we could pass legislation that could be transformational. That's democracy reform. We need to expand the Supreme Court. That is more rep reflective of present-day America. That Supreme Court, that nine number, that was put in place a hundred and something years ago when the population was like half the size. So we need to grow. They need term limits on the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. They need ethics reform so they could be held accountable when you got Clarence Thomas' wife <laughs> helping people in the insurrection. Mm -hmm. We not going to get none of this by people sitting home saying, I ain't going to vote. It don't matter. And, 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 I'm just, and, and they're playing on the fact the more chaos, the more confusion, the more things don't get done contribute to the lack of faith. Yeah. And they know black folks, young people who would push for a lot of these things have already lost their faith so they're not going to come out and vote. And they bank on that because they know there's a population that will be at every vote. That's right. They have time. They have money. They have their, their what is that called? Their voting blocks, their political action committees, and they don't look like us. Mm -hmm. And they got a lot of free time and they have a lot of, they have a lot more money. Uh, and, and they're the ones that are calling your office yeah. five and, times and, a week. And they're playing for power. Right. They're not just playing. See, we, we often think people should do the right thing because it's the morally right thing to do. And I, I do believe that. Uh, but people, like, power concedes nothing without demand. So we got to play for power. Like, it's good to make dope songs and go platinum, mm -hmm. but how are you leveraging that? And that's what me and Kev always talk about towards political power. See, I think hip-hop, please talk about the maturity of the culture, because I think... No, I, I just think we're we 50 years old now, and so there's a different lens in which we look at things. And uh, I'm not thinking about today. I know if we if we don't protect black art now, it's going to stop these SoundCloud and YouTube kids from expressing themselves, and we won't have a do the right thing. Mm -hmm. We just won't have something that depicts who we are and what we are. So we have to start playing like they played us for the last four hundred years. We got to start planning for ten years from now. We got to start thinking about what this Honey. needs to look like, hundred yeah. whatever it is. And I'm saying like that's the dedication yeah. and the age that we are in our in our culture that we should not be just thinking about today. We should be setting up for tomorrow. And the only way you do that is through power and legislation. Jamal Bowman, Kevin Lyles, thank you for your time today on The Message. Thank you. All good. All That's right, great. The Message. Apple Music.
the message. Don't push me. Call up close to the edge. An open dialogue about the voices of today and their experiences through music that inspires them.